With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How you living, how you doing, how you moving, how you grooving? Our name is Adam Lefko, and I'm a little kind of Jewish. Brian Westbrook, how you fucking doing? Ingmar. Not, not as good as you, my friend. <laughs> I just had some throat coat tea. Yes. We are attacking the throat this week because we have a big week next week. Excited. Lozenges, throat coat tea. Trying to limit the coffee because caffeine restricts. You know what the singers do? The Broadway singers? Tell me. They crush up some aspirin into some honey and then drink that down with some hot water. What? What does that do? That's like in, in the last second in a pinch. Oh, my God. I have to go on tonight. Broadway show, 8 o'clock, and I have no voice at 630. That's the move. I saw Earth. I've seen Earth, Wind, and Fire a lot of times. And if you know Earth, Wind, and Fire, they have that one dude that hits the super high notes that you go, no human should be able to do that, especially at your age. And I went to one show, and our seats were kind of to the right, and I could see backstage. And right before he was going to do the reasons, <laughs> I think the... I saw him go backstage through my little alleyway behind the curtain, and some dude handed him a cup, and he drank the cup, and then went out there and hit all the notes. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if it's that, no. but you'll be, mother- I'll be crushing up aspirin and honey no. all week. In my it, was, it was whiskey. That's what that was. He drank, right. yeah, he had a little whiskey. A little cognac? Yeah, a little, a little something. A little, <laughs> a little tingle in the throat. Lower those inhibitions. I am mentioning <laughs> Miami, and I want you guys to join us. Next week, the Gridiron House. That is right. Bleacher Report is going to be having one spot. It's not just Bleacher Report. Dan Patrick is going to be there. Rich Eisen is going to be there. A lot of action. I'm going to be doing podcasts there with Mr. Westbrook. Uh, I think Master's going to be there doing some stuff with untold stories. But here are the details if you're in Miami. 1111 Lincoln Road. It's like a cool activation spot. Wednesday at 4 o'clock, we're doing football feud. Me and six NFL players. Three offense versus three defense. It is going to be hilarious. First come, first serve. I would probably say get there early if you want to get a seat, but 4 p.m. is when it starts, so probably want to get there around 2. Me and Westbrook, Friday, 4 o'clock, live podcast, big-time guests. Again, try to get there early if you want to get a spot. Brian Westbrook is going to have a lot of fans. <laughs> We're going to need to get you there early, 1111 Lincoln Road. You've been down there. Apparently, it's a cool spot. It's really cool. It's it's sort of this like do whatever you want with it type of structure where it can be for photo shoots, it can be for filming a music video, it can just you can just set up the whole thing and make it your your Miami activation Super Bowl for the week. It's awesome. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We should see, we should film a music video. Ooh. Us three. Music video. In Miami for the Super Bowl. I've never been more in on an idea yeah. than that. This my, is perfect. My first, <laughs> this is perfect. Yeah. Can we just all become best friends? <laughs> oh, my God. Right, so my first question is, because this is definitely a cup question, what would be your walkout music slash, in this instance, music video? Um, mystical, the man right there, the man right chair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's it. Uh, Do you know that? Uh, uh, my... Uh, 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 
Okay, all right. Well, no. So my fiance jokes that Mystical is one of my top five rappers of all time. You, are you serious? And I think the reason is is because Mystical reminds me a lot of James Brown. Uh-huh. Like they both have the like, oh, yeah, sing it, yeah. give it to me. And I love fucking James Brown. Like shake your ass. The fact that he starts the song with. Um, don't make me leave it with my foot in your ass. Be cool. Like, it's so fucking good. All right, what, what's your walkout? Oh, wait, what were you going to say? No, I was going to ask you. Go ahead. Yeah, Ingvers, a second. I think I want to appropriate uh, Enter Sandman from Mariana Rivera. It's like, that's the greatest walkout yeah. music of all time. And like, I, it's just been retired since Mariana Rivera went away. And I, as a Red Sox fan, just want to take it back. I That is interesting that he kind of... He owned that song so much. It's like his number gets retired and the song gets retired. Right. And I'm like, you know what? Screw Yankee history. I'm bringing That's it back. That's how dominant he was. Though. Yeah. When he walked in the game, it was over. This Game's is over. mine. Oh. little Biggie. Yeah. Because to me, if you go in slow motion to this. That feels good. Oh, and you're just pointing at people? Would you walk really slowly? Yes. It feels good. good. I would make it seem more slow motion. <laughs> we would probably need some fans blowing. Junior Mafia. Yeah, yeah. yeah get my one curl. curl. Um, all right. So we have a Super Bowl. And it is the Super Bowl that I was hoping for. I don't know if it's the Super Bowl you guys, in terms of who of the four teams that were left, but blowouts on championship weekend. Yep. Mm-hmm. San Francisco with Raheem Mostert getting 220 rushing yards, ran all over the Packers. Anytime it seemed like Green Bay had a chance to get back, an Aaron Rodgers mistake in the first half kind of messed it up, whether it was the center to quarterback exchange or the interception. And then Jimmy Garoppolo only had to throw eight passes, wow. which is fucking incredible. Other side of the game, it was exactly like I said it could happen in terms of if Tennessee gets up, Kansas City literally just went through this. Tennessee goes up 17-7. to Derrick Henry was having success. And then Patrick Mahomes went and did Patrick Mahomes' thing and showed why I believe he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And we have a Super Bowl with a lot of great storylines, two really good coaches, First time we've had a Super Bowl between two red teams in the history of the NFL, which <laughs> that's neat. Did you which look is that up? What my like? It, it, it's true. It's fun. <laughs> and my my friend that's red in team. fashion was like, "Oh, it's two red teams," and I was like, "That's weird." Let me look at that up. Real quick. <laughs> I was like, "Funny what certain people see." Um, were you guys surprised at all? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it because it was blowouts? What no, I, I enjoyed it. I, you always kind of want a, a close game. But when you have the teams, this is why I enjoyed it. We had the 49ers as well as the Chiefs doing what they do well all game. Well, they impose their will, and that's what I want to see in the game. I want to see a team say, okay, if you're the Titans, I'm going to run the football, and you're going to have to stop it. And I'm just going to keep running it because that's what we do. They weren't able to do that. They weren't able to stay with it long enough to keep it going. Same kind of thing for the for the Packers. We're going to throw the football, and can you stop it? Well, the Chiefs could stop it, and they could score on the other end. So that's why both the teams won the game. Excuse me, the 49ers could stop it, and they could score on the other game on the other side. That's why they won the game. So for me, this was the best possible outcome, having the Chiefs versus the 49ers, because it's going to be a fun game, number one. There's going to be a bunch of points. And there is an element of defense on both sides of the ball. And so oh, yeah. you can see a defense, the 49ers defense, getting carried away and being able to handle that Chiefs offense, or at least slow it down from time to time. And there, I, I also believe that as bad as the Chiefs defense has been at times stopping the run, they they kind of get out there the quarterback pretty well, and they can figure out a way to slow down that running attack a little bit to make Jimmy Garoppolo have to pass. Maybe the experience factor kind of gets in there, and we'll see how it goes from there. 
What'd you think, Ingber? I thought it was interesting as a championship Sunday to have two teams that were seven and a half point favorites both cover going away. Yes. That just felt super rare to me. I don't have the numbers of how often that happens, but just to come into a game and both home teams are more than a touchdown favorite, you know, you'd think just just looking at Aaron Rodgers coming in to play Jimmy Garoppolo, you'd think it's like more three and a half, four point favorites. No, Vegas knew what they were doing. They said seven and a half points. This is a bad matchup for the yeah. Packers. And the Niners just like won this. They they basically covered by three minutes to go in the second quarter. It was it was great for my betting. I think I went eight for 10 on the on the weekend, which wow. was amazing. Part of the reason was I took the Niners team total, just them, because I was like, I don't know if the Packers are going to score enough to score over 27. Which they, they had at halftime. They had 27 at halftime, <laughs> yes. which was amazing. I took Raheem Mostert over 51 rushing yards. Great take right there. That fucking worked out. So, like, when you – there's nothing better than when your hits – when your your bets start hitting at halftime, like Mahomes, I took over twenty four rushing yards. He had twenty seven on that one touchdown, right? And I was like, "See you beautiful. later." Like so, hope you don't take a knee. It was it it was the rare <laughs> yeah it was the rare time where you're betting favorites, but like like think about it. We did our podcast with Deal and Westbrook, and we, I kind of left going, "I don't see how the Titans and Packers are going to win." Mm-hmm. Then we do the podcast with Warren, where Warren talked up the Titans a little bit, but then really said there's no way the Chiefs can stop them. And then, very prophetically, was like, here are the three reasons the Packers stand no chance on defense, and it went to a T. So it, I like, I, I equate it to March Madness. Everybody wants upsets, and I agree. That first weekend, I want chaos. Mm. But that second weekend, I don't, because I don't want a 12 seed in the final four. I want the powers in the final four. It's nice to have the chaos early, but I want the blue bloods late. You want the best four teams to be represented. Absolutely. And I think I'm seeing a lot of uh, articles about how the conference championship ratings went down. Don't, don't go, wow, the Titans are in the Super Bowl and they are in the championship game and then wonder why they drew less than the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Like, to football people like, yeah, oh, wow, Derrick Henry. But it's not as much as Tom Brady. It's not as much as Bill Belichick. And that is the side effect to the sixth seed in one of the smallest markets in the NFL making it. Like, oh, maybe it's core. It's a combination of all of those things, cord cutting and all that. But there, if it was Titans-Packers, it would be the least viewed Super Bowl in ever. Right. But now it's it, now it's Patrick Mahomes versus this 49ers team. It's going to be fucking epic. young coach versus versus yeah. old coach has been there for a long time. And yeah. Andy Reid trying to figure out a way to get back to the Super Bowl and actually win it this time. I'm also it. Maybe it's because the Patriots aren't in it. Just no offense. <laughs> I don't take offense but to it's, reality. It's the first. Su- no, but I mean, <laughs> like, all no, I, didn't, I didn't get to finish my sentence. It's the first Super Bowl where I'm okay if either team wins. Mm. Where, like, when the Patriots are in it, I'm kind of like, man, it would be cool to see an upset here. Just naturally, because you want change. But if Shanahan wins or if Andy Reid wins, I'm good. Like, I feel like the championship this year, other than the Ravens, are, are one of the two best teams in the NFL. And I feel like we're seeing what we should be seeing. I want Andy Reid, and I want the Chiefs to win just because I love Andy and I love what he stands for. And he obviously was my coach. But the other side of me, I want to see a running team. A team that says, you know what, I know what the league is going to. We're going to Watson and Mahomes and, in some ways, Deshaun, uh, Lamar Jackson. But we're going to run the football, and that's what we're going to do. And until you can stop it, we're going to just rotate different guys in there. And if we have to pass the ball 10 times a game, we'll, we'll pass it. But we won't pass it 11. 
And to me, there's a value in that. There's, there's an old school value. The hard part as a running back that wants to see other running backs paid is that this actually offense does not help the running back, the one running back in the league, you know, the right. one, the, the team that just has one main guy, this offense says, you know what, I don't really care who it is. We're going to have, uh, you know, holes that are five yards wide, and you're not going to get touched yeah. until you're on the third level. And it doesn't matter who the running back is because they're running like crazy through the secondary. And if they're fast, like Breida, like Mostert, like, uh, like Coleman before he yeah. got injured, of course, then we can make any of them work. I was going to say, would anybody be surprised if Raheem Mostert runs for 35 yards in the Super Bowl, and the 49ers still win because they got some crazy Absolutely. production out of Britain. No one would be hugely surprised by that. No, I honestly think, though, it's actually the worst situation for running back contracts. It is. That's my point. That is you have a Super Bowl worst. with the two starters or undrafted free agents, yep. yeah. and you can just make the argument. And then I would just say to all those people, uh, you, I've been doing this podcast now for a long time. And for a long time, we've talked about how Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius. And for years, nobody wanted to listen to it. For years, he only got the job because of his dad. For years, they gave Houston's credit to Gary Kubiak. They gave Washington's credit to his dad. They gave Atlanta's credit to Matt Ryan. It it never got Cleveland. He had the best offensive year in Cleveland that the Browns have had in two decades with Johnny Manziel and Brian Hoyer. And now... It's interesting because I think Kyle's about to have his Sean McVay year where we do two weeks of celebrating him. And then if there's any job openings, people are going to go, oh, Mike McDaniel from (laughs) his staff and anyone that breathed on him. One guy who wants to have a lunch with him four months ago, that guy's now the offensive coordinator. And that's what's about to happen to him. But the thing that frustrates me is we the, the notion of, oh, you need to get the best running backs or it's about this. If you don't understand the scheme. And if you don't understand that the reason Kyle's offense is working is because he knows what your defense wants to do, Mm -hmm. that when I hear this offseason of Gettleman and everyone that's going to talk about how running the ball is more important, I get it. But it's more about a team philosophy that Kyle knows, oh, on third and eight, if we go three wide receivers with a tight end on the right, they're going to blitz that way. I can call a draw to Raheem Moster and get that 50-yard touchdown like – People simplify football down to, oh, running, oh, blocking. And it's, it's the coaches that win in this league are the people that have a full, comprehensive plan and never waver. Andy Reid is one of those guys. Yep. Kyle Shanahan is one of those guys. Bill Belichick is one of those guys. And the guys that aren't, the guys that are one side of the football, they don't fucking work. So I the only part about Super Bowl week and the reason I got emotional right there is we start deducing it down to like one thing. And this is the future of the NFL. And it's like, no, we have an offense in the San Francisco 49ers that are um, incredible running and balanced and play action off of that and similarity and multifacetedness. And then we have this other side, which really is, in my opinion, the most talented quarterback of all time with the fastest wide receiving core of all time with an, with a with a coach that in Andy Reid that knows how to make all of them pop. Stop deducing it down to this is what the NFL is about and start going to what does my team have and how – damn it. <laughs> we'll edit that That's out. such a Larry David. <laughs> Don't edit that out. It's such a curvy – but what I was saying is, is like – you want to know how to win in the NFL? Build a good roster and then figure out how to maximize it. Mm-hmm. I'm just 
And it's like the NFL media is what pisses me off. That's why I was getting upset about it. You know, so so I had an experience with Kyle Shanahan, and you talk about masterminds, and I think the whole point is that you can have, in order to have an offense that works with three just no-name running backs in a way, you have to have the mastermind behind it because he's scheming things open and, and, and opens things up. And I remember... They used to say this, and they still say it about Bill, Bill Belichick. He's going to take away whatever you do offensively. He's going to take whatever you do yes. best. He's going to take that away. So Kyle Shanahan actually is the exact opposite offensively. He's saying, okay, well, whatever you want to do defensively, I'm going to take your opportunity, your ability to take that to do that. We're going to take that away. So now we can run our offense the way that we want it. That's what he does offensively. And to the mastermind point, I was there, so I got cut by the Eagles. I got brought in by the, the Washington Redskins. Shanahan was still there. Right. Mike Shanahan was a coach. Kyle was the offensive coordinator. So Was Alfred Morris there at the time? Clinton Portis was there. I'm, I think Alfred Morris may have still been, okay. been there. So Portis was there, and so Shanahan was like, listen, I love you. Uh, first of all, let's start there. I love you. Is and this Kyle or Mike? This is Kyle. Okay. And I'll tell you what Mike said. <laughs> he said, listen, I have all these different things I want to do with you because all those things that he's doing with his backs – were really kind of the things that I did well. I was out of the backfield, yeah. you know, run yeah. the ball, all those Go to the outside, things. push, yeah. hit the cut. So we're we're drawing up schemes. You know, we can put you in the slot. We can put you here. We can do this. So it's great. We're having a great meeting. We want you here. We love you. I said, great. You know, I, and at that point, I'm like, damn, Kyle is a mastermind the way he's thinking. He already has an idea of exactly how he's going to use me yeah. and Portis first, second down, third down, things like that. Cool. I go into, <laughs> after that, I go directly to Mike Shanahan, who's the head coach's uh, offense. He's like, yeah. Well, I'm going to just let you know right now. We don't really need you. I'm like, excuse me? He was like, yeah, we don't really need you. We got Portis. He can do everything we needed to do. I was like, but I was just in the meeting with Kyle, and he said that we have all these different things. He was like, yeah, nah, Kyle doesn't know what he's talking about. We don't really need you. So we're going to offer you the veteran minimum. I was like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, Uh, yeah, but to the point, Kyle, his brain is working not on the first level, not on the second level. He's three, four plays ahead of you, yeah. setting things up, getting things ready. It's that mastermind mentality that can take three no-name guys and just a bunch of guys that have speed and quickness and use them to their best ability. That's what you saw in the game. You saw guys in jet motion. You saw motions and shifts. Yes. You saw guys running through wide open holes. There was a point where I'm like, well, where the hell is George Kittle? And then he pops up and makes a big play. Catch. Makes yeah. The one catch. He, I mean, it, if you had – Coming into this game, you, you were thinking George Kittle is going to have one catch and they're still going to win by double digits. Yards, yeah. You're like, yeah, no way. Yeah. And Kyle figured out a way to do it. That that Mike Shanahan versus Kyle Shanahan story, that strikes me as Mike Shanahan was of that that mindset that you could just have a running back and run him 400 carries a year and it wouldn't it wouldn't be a problem. You know, that's but like, we've got Clinton Portis, to, he's man. our guy. Yeah, yeah. Let's give him 450 touches. Let's right. give him throws out of the backfield. Like, we don't need to split the The carries. league was like, evolving. The league was changing. But the fact that yeah, Kyle Shanahan, this was a full decade ago, right? right? Like, that he was already seeing the beginning of this, that uh, this yeah. load management and splitting the carries. Right. Like, he was st- seeing the beginnings of that. And that's Belichick's philosophy. Oh, he's and always that, had three, four running backs. And that's why you have, like, the random dude that runs for 200 yards against the Colts and then gets, like, cut the next week. <laughs> yeah. no, we know who he is. <laughs> Jonas yeah, Gray. Jonas Gray. Thank you. A cover of Sports Illustrated and then missed a practice because it was, like, a snowstorm. Wow. I think it's it's interesting. It's interesting with with these two coaches um, because with Andy, it'll feel like a coronation. Where if Andy wins, um, you're going to hear a Hall of Fame. These next two weeks, you're going to hear a lot of people saying he's already a Hall of Fame mm-hmm. coach, um, partly because of that. his coaching tree and his accomplishments. You would agree with that, though, right? I, I would. Okay. I would. I mean, look. There have been two Hall of Fame inductions, and I'll keep saying it, that are fucking it up for the next two decades. Terrell Davis and Andy, excuse me, and Bill Cowher. Yes. 
like Bill Cowher as a one-time Super Bowl winner and like on the edge of top 10 coaching wins is going to get passed by all these people. Yeah. And Terrell Davis, who did it for six seasons, every argument is going to go, but what about that? Mm-hmm. So, three great years Terrell Davis yes. had. The other three were just, I mean, and I'm not to, to poop right. on him, but I mean, he had three great years and the other three were. I've said it to his face. So, like, yeah. I'm not really. What was his response? It. I just said, like. Well, he knows. He he knows it. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you got in, who cares? Yeah, he's you know an what MVP. I mean? like, yeah, it's your opinion. Russian leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mr. Mr. Guy on a As podcast. he puts on his jacket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The thing also is, he's such a great guy a great that dude. none of it's personal. Great dude. I'm just great looking dude. at statistics. But with Andy, it's going to feel like a coronation. If Andy wins the Super Bowl, it'll be him on the parade. Uh, they're going to want to hear his speech. And everybody, like when you talk about Andy, it is reverence. Everyone's going to come out of the woodwork. It's He will have one of the largest coaching, like in terms of people showing up for him yeah. at the Hall of Fame yeah. when, whenever he gets in. For Kyle, motherfucker. <laughs> for Kyle, it's going to feel like. <laughs> what are you doing? I thought you turned it off. Why, I, why did I you, thought I did too. What are you doing? The volume was what so What did powerful. you do last time that you just didn't do? It superseded the mute button. <laughs> if Kyle gets in, it becomes. Oh, gets in what? Gets in what? Excuse me. In the Super Bowl winning quarter. Oh, coach. What's, what's going on? You put him in the Hall of Fame no, already? But if, but if Kyle wins the Super Bowl, what happens then is they go, is he the next great coach in the NFL? Of course. Because what happens is they're gonna look at the they're gonna look at the team and they're gonna go, they already gave Jimmy the max contract and they were able to win. And usually it takes the quarterback on that small and then like we hope we get it in beforehand. You you're not spending money at the running back position. Then they're going to look back at all of his years and they're going to go, holy shit, Kyle's been the best coach the whole time. It's going to create, it's already between him and McVay, a fucking firestorm in that division for like the up and coming young coach that's the best in the NFL. People have soured on McVay now. Now that they see what Kyle has done, they're saying. And Wade Phillips leaves is a little bit interesting. But with Brady and Belichick and the uncertainty there and Kyle coming up like this with John Lynch, if he wins, it's going to be, is Kyle set up to dominate for a decade? Andy will feel like a coronation. Kyle will feel like we have our new king. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of how I see those two storylines going. I love what John Lynch has done with that football team. I am going to say this really quick, that I believe that Kyle Shanahan has had a lot to do with a lot of their draft picks and free agent signings. And I think we... I think we're overstating John Lynch a little bit. Well, no, I'm fine with that. But here's Just saying. But here's what I'll say. Because I know that. that John Lynch was like, whatever you want, Kyle. Well, that's <laughs> absolutely fine. But the relationship is what people should probably pay more attention to. Facts. That's the relationship Facts. that you want. You want to have the GM and the head coach, and it doesn't matter who gets the credit. The GM's probably going to get more credit yes. than the coach for picking players. But if the coach picks them, well, hell, you're coaching you're them right. anyway. So it doesn't matter to me if I'm the GM. As long as those guys, those four, yes. four are winners and we can get a done, then I'm fine. As long as whoever you want in here you can win with, I'm cool with it, and yes. you can take the credit, and I'm still the GM. That I'm cool. spoke to you. That did, because there's a lot of people listening to this podcast right now that work in a variety of different industries, and they know that sometimes the most effective manager or the most effective yes. executives are the people that hire really talented people yes, and right. get out of their way. They say, you're really good at doing this. You're really good at figuring out the offense and scheming and picking personnel. Yes. So I did my job. Go nuts, man. And if I start micromanaging you, maybe I'll get more credit for having been more involved or getting my foot in the door or whatever. But if I get Kyle Shanahan on my on my my front office here, like I'm just gonna let you cook, man. Yes. Do your thing. Uh it's like Bill Simmons said in, in the book of basketball. It comes down to the secret. And the secret of success is about never 
caring about your own accolades mm-hmm. and never feeding into how much is my responsibility. And from the outside, this is why teams and media never get along. Because media goes Monday morning, who do we point the finger at? Mm-hmm. Or who's the reason that they're in the Super Bowl? And the teams go, the only way this works is if none of us gives a fuck about any of that. And that's why I find it so hard to interview really successful athletes because they mean when they say we're on to the next game, every day is a new day. Like they genuinely mean it because it's the only way to succeed. And the media, the only way the media succeeds is by dividing and figure like that, like genuinely, like the only good television is when people are arguing about who's to blame. Mm -hmm. Like the, the topics that I saw on TV today, can Jimmy Garoppolo win the Super Bowl? That'll be the story for two weeks. Instead of going, wow, he he deferred, and he and him and George Kittle were fine with only like attempting or completing eight passes. What a great way to win and to not show any of your play schemes. But instead, it's going to go. Maybe they're not capable. Maybe they run because they couldn't. And but it's I, like, are you fucking crazy? Bosa hears that quote, and he's like, uh, is Jimmy Grapple going to win the Super Bowl without a defense? Right. Yeah, we yeah, were yeah, there, yeah. too, man. Like, we were a big part of this. I, I couldn't agree with you more. When I first got to Philly, and it was a time in Philly where they had Sal was there, Les Bowman. They had some some hard-nosed newspaper was guys. Sal Palantonio screaming still? Sal was out of control. He had a screaming stage. That was a I, I had a run-in with Sal, and I'll <laughs> tell you about it in a minute. Well, when, well, I'll tell you real quick. So he goes in <laughs> on, on, on SportsCenter, and he's reports he's like, listen, Brian Westbrook said he tweaks his knee at practice. You know what that means. He won't be playing this weekend. And I'm like, what? I never told you any of that at all, Sal. Wow. So I saw him in the, so I see this in the training room. I'm watching it. I'm like, what the hell is Sal talking about? And so I see him in the hallways that same day. Like, Sal, where, where the hell did you get this? Oh, well, you know, I just kind of felt that that's where we should go with the story. I'm like, but Sal, that's not true. So, I mean, you can't do that. And he went back on and then credit to him and apologized and yeah. kind of fixed things up. When but- he walked away, did he go, I apologize, Sal Palantonio. Yes, he signs off every year. <laughs> but my point was is that when I first got there, it was the media versus the team. Yes, and it was like Andy was that. Listen, they're going to try to dig in. It's us fifty, us fifty three together, and coaches and against the world, everyone outside. And if we don't keep it together, then they'll start digging in and yes. they'll try to figure out who's to blame for this and who's and and that's one thing that Andy always. You know, one of the reasons why a lot of players love Andy is because he took the pressure off of us and put it on him as far as the media. The media, as a media member now, I absolutely hate it because yeah. I want the coach to be like, nope, it was Brian Westbrook's fault why we yeah. lost. He fumbled. He can't get the yard as we wanted to and blah, blah, blah. But Andy would always be like, no, nope, you know, I need to coach him better. I need to do better. And that's the type of coach that, that you absolutely yes. love. And that's why you get a lot of credit. It's interesting because when you win, the media changes. The yes. local media changes. When you win, the local media now goes, wow, my Twitter followers are going up. Mm-hmm. My Instagram followers are going up. Mm-hmm. Every article I post has more reads. Mm-hmm. Every video I do because the fan base is like, give me more. We're on a run. Like Titans reporters, I was looking at their counts flying up these last few weeks. Sure. And so what happens is, is after you win, they want to protect the team more. Yes, They don't want to... Oh, I'll, I'll keep that in-house. I'll keep that in-house. Because they feel as though they're part of the team. I also think that their media members in Philadelphia are the perfect example. When the Phillies won the World Series in 2007, every media member that was a part in that media market got locked in for a decade. Yes. 
where they didn't have to worry about job security. True. Because when people watch television, they were like, oh, that person, they helped me win a World Series too. Like it locks you in. And that's why I always go back to the Patriots as being so impressed. I am never impressed at moments of excellence in anybody, performers, sports athletes, anybody. I am impressed by sustained excellence Mm -hmm. because it's so much harder to announce and celebrate and then the next day get back to work. So Mariah Carey should be your number one. We're talking like 30 years of just straight excellence. Right behind Barbara Streisand. Sure. But but sustained excellence. That's what you're into. Yeah, sure. sure. Mariah has sustained excellence. What? <laughs> what? Mariah was hot for a little bit. What pop culture cold. have you been paying attention to? She was to? cold for. So she, she came on the scene. She was fourteen she was years cold, old, and then she's a little warmer now. But she's not hot now. Unbelievable. I would say though, what that a if take. I, if, <laughs> I would say that if Mariah Carey walked out in the Grammys, yeah, she'd get a standing O, and they would show to a young woman performer that's like an up and coming twenty five years ago, and being like, "Yeah, diva." I think Mariah Carey though is entering like. Gladys Knight type no. of shit where like she walks out wearing a mink and you're like you are the <laughs> shit yeah you she's, 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 you've never seen Mariah in anything but heels which is impressive I think especially on the feet sure. for a woman yeah that, that, that interesting take I mean I'm just as I'm, as I'm thinking Beyonce about it. is going to become Aretha like that's yes. how I see that eventually. But, but Beyonce has continued to make music. Mariah hasn't made music well Mariah ended up with Nick Cannon and Beyonce and then with Jay-Z and it keeps you in the public more well, she made music, too. She made the Lemonade album. Oh, of course. Mariah has, like, 200 albums that are all incredible. All of them are incredible. 200 yeah. albums. <laughs> that's <laughs> close. But anyway, back to Bill Belichick. <laughs> oh, now we got a Mariah. That's why, though, I always think that Belichick or somebody, these, these media stories come out in the middle of these years after they're defending a Super Bowl because he's got to find a way to motivate his team. Right. The coaches need that stuff. So whether it's the Cincinnati Spygate or whether it's all this stuff – he needs the news. One of the linebackers said something I thought was out of out of character right before their game, and I, I want to say it was something about uh, Derrick Henry. Like it, it was, we, it was we D can, Ford. We can tackle him. No, 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 not 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 for Frank the Chiefs. Clark. I'm talking about for the for the Patriots. Oh. right before they played, it was just out of character for them to even mention anything because usually they're a buttoned up type the type of team, and I think it was more about the motivation. It was a motivation thing, like. Uh, you know, we were looking for motivation, and now we is whatever it was. But it was out of character for a Bill Belichick team to start talking that way yes. in the media. They were looking for motivation just to get them going just a bit. I think it was the motivation of losing last year against the Titans during the regular season. And, and they were looking for some type of motivation, which the Bill Belichick teams don't normally talk about in the media. The Chiefs bucked the trend on trash talking and, and losing yes. last week. Tyreek Hill coming out and said, no one can guard us. I think it was like Frank Clark or I uh, think Frank Clark came out and said, tackling Derrick Henry is not that hard. Usually when that happens, it goes the other way. Mm-hmm. That's when you know the Chiefs are good. Yeah. Oh, I will say I watched uh, this group of friends. We all watch football together as much as possible. And the same group that was watching Patriots Titans was also watching Titans Chiefs yesterday. And there was like some, you know, second and eight and, t- and Derek Henry got tackled for like one yard. And we both said simultaneously, my Patriots fan friend and I both looked at the TV and be like, we literally couldn't do that once yeah. Yeah. against it. Like, so that just kind of set this tone of you're not going to get eight yards a pop on us. We will stop you a few times here, and you won't be able to just like convert third and sixes I, on running as well, whenever you want. The fact that the Chiefs have your guy at defensive coordinator, Spags, Steve Spagnolo, mm-hmm. who knows about utilizing unique formations in big games, 
specifically the Super Bowl against the Patriots where he threw three defensive ends on the field. And now, if you really think about it, that's like a mainstay in the NFL is putting three defensive ends on the field. And he went against Tennessee and pretty much ran goal line and said, we'll be ready for your play-action concepts. It gets me really excited to see, and I'm sure Kyle has tore him up in the past, but the coolest thing about the Super Bowl is you have two weeks. And, you know, Belichick last year against the Rams came out with the blueprint, figured out exactly how to do it. How these defensive coordinators are going to watch this film and what is the crazy plan that no one's expecting that they're going to try on Sunday – That's the part of football that I love the most, and I'm just excited that we have actual good coaches. Andy Reid after a bye versus Kyle Shanahan after a bye. That's That's true. Basically what we're looking at, right? Right, because the Andy Reid after a bye is fucking insane. 24-3. and Something like that. And then Kyle Shanahan after a bye, like Warren had the statistics. Remember it was, he said, it was Kyle Shanahan after a bye versus a human not named Sean McVay. (laughs) I mean, like something like that. Or not named Bill Belichick. You have two burning questions for each game, correct? Uh, before we do that, we are. this is the only podcast we're putting out this week because of the Pro Bowl. Sorry, we're not covering it. Shout out to Austin Hooper making the Pro Bowl. Wow. Way to fucking Friend go. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Um, what I'm thinking about, though, we're going to have one podcast that comes out Monday, and then we'll have more pod- next Monday and then more podcasts. Uh, we're going to be recording that tomorrow. But for that pod, I kind of want to play Super Bowl theme bingo. Mm-hmm where we come in and we predict what are the big stories that are going to be coming out leading up to the Super Bowl. And I want to see how many we can get. So kind of rack your brain tonight of like what you think the biggest storylines that will be covered. So don't do it now. Like there are a few that are just absolute gimmies. I'm, I'm, I love this game. I, I'm in on this. Then, because then, and then as they get released, like when Mina Kimes writes something, I, I want to say one right now, but I don't want to give it away. I want to be like, yeah, we called it. (laughs) You want me to say one? Yes. Okay, when the article comes out between who's the best tight end in the NFL, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, or if like somebody gets a sit down or somebody goes back to like what it was a year ago when Travis Kelsey was like, yo, this young guy, Kittle, the, 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 what's it called when there's one article that is like the article about a topic? Uh, Like the, the long read? The long read, the the definitive article yeah. about the Kelsey Kittle relationship will come out next week. Like that's that'll be one of mine. Someone's been working on that. Who's the yeah. best tight end yeah. in the league? Yeah. So when it happens, I want to take credit for it. Well, they were planning on releasing it in <laughs> March. When other people do all, the, yeah, when all the people do the work, and like you predict, yeah. I'll say it again, just so I don't take another one. The Kelsey Kittle article, we get to go left go show car that we knew it was going to happen. Right. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, we get to take credit for other people's work. Well, that's the best way to work. I mean, exactly. if you're gonna if you're gonna work somewhere and you're gonna, you might as well take credit for someone yeah. else's. Going against exactly what we just said about lack of ego, yeah. we're diving in. <laughs> we want the credit. All right, so where That'd do you want to start? Let's start with the Titans, just because we have to say farewell to a wonderful team. Like a, yeah. this a is a memorable, cl- critically acclaimed team from yes. this year. Is the Titans' best move this offseason to franchise Tannehill or to look into other options, including Brady, Cam Newton, Jameis, Phil Rivers, whoever else is Great on the question. table from the draft? I would I would do anything I could to keep Ryan Tannehill. Okay. So if, if franchising him is the best way, I, I would do that. I certainly I wouldn't be opposed to a reasonable uh, long term contract. I'm not paying him thirty plus a million. I'm not doing that. I'm not going that crazy. But because I, I, I'm worried. Here, here's what Tennessee has been able to do. They've been very successful running the football. I don't know 
because of career spans of running backs, how long Derrick Henry can do that. Maybe another three, four years. I don't see he hasn't fallen off. I'm not saying that. But if he can do it for another three years, that would be great, especially for a guy his size, taking the amount of hits, the amount of carries he's going to take. But at some point, you're going to need your quarterback to be able to carry you. I think Ryan Tannehill has proven this year that he can carry you to a certain extent, but you certainly need that run game. You know, I'm not saying that I'm not 100% sold, but I do remember – the Ryan Tannehill from Miami. So I can't forget that and just say, hey, the only thing I could think about is Ryan Tannehill right now. So if he's willing to take a reasonable salary, I don't know, 25, 26 million, okay, we can keep him. I think that's a good move. Um, but if he wants more, if he wants top tier money, then we're not, he's not looking at the, the spectrum the same way that I'm saying. If he wants Teddy Bridgewater no, money. Yeah, if he wants Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> money, he's crazy. But no, I, I just think that you, you, you pay I mean, him a reasonable salary because, again, this offense is built around the run game. $25 million is not a reasonable salary. It's not? In my mind, for Ryan Tannehill, if you want to do 25... That, that's like middle of the way, right? If you want to do 25, franchise tag him because that's 24. Yeah, I'm okay with the franchise or tag transition tag him at 22. I don't think that the rest of the NFL is looking at Ryan Tannehill and going, if he's a free agent. No, they're not. This guy, they're not. So then why should the Titans? Well, you so have to I'm remember what is, they had with Mariota before this, though. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's, totally. A, that's, that's a thing. It's, it's interesting because people are going to say that the Titans made a miracle run and what a surprise. And then... In the, in the offseason, they're going to implore them to try and bring everybody back to maintain it. Mm-hmm. If you acknowledge that it was random and that it was unlikely, then trying to maintain it, you're probably going to get the other result next well, year. Well, no, no, no. Let's be with common sense. If this was an outlier performance, then going, let's run it back, is a dumb idea. What I'm saying is, if you want to franchise tag them, or transition tag him for 23 or franchise tag him for 25 to see if you're dealing with fool's gold. I get it. I totally get it. Maybe an offseason and and look, it's hard to get rid of a quarterback that your city has fallen in love with yeah. and, and the jersey sales. Totally get it. But if you're investing long-term in this guy, I will already tell you I vehemently disagree. I do not think that this Titans team is one that I look at and go, I think they're going to be back in the AFC Championship game next year, the way they're currently constituted. I just don't. I just don't understand saying that this was an outlier and then going, I think they can do but it. But if you're Mike Vrabel, you're not saying it's an outlier. If you're Mike Vrabel, we're and saying I'm telling you, we, this is, I would this tell is how we built our team. This is how we plan to win. Right, exactly. We did exactly the way that we wanted to. And that's why it's important to have people with actual perspective. And hopefully John <laughs> Robinson is that guy in Tennessee because of his New England background. The perspective. Of course the coach is going to say we can do this again. You need someone in the organization that has a little bit of outside perspective that isn't caught up in emotions that can go, we need to be realistic. Okay. Well, here, here, here's another realistic thing. Let's just say that you want to franchise on something crazy. He doesn't want to sign. Let's say you need to find another quarterback. Yeah. Who, who would that guy be? Tom who, Brady? Who are the names that you said? I said Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Jameis, Phil Rivers, I feel like is available. The Jameis issue. doesn't help. you. We know that. Well, the issue with a lot of those guys are they were big-time starters. Yes. Yep. And so – you're not going to bring him in for a quarterback competition. No. And that's only if you lose Tannehill. Now, that was my thought, though, by the way, because a lot of people are just sort of forgetting that Tannehill went seven and three down the stretch with a team that was two and four. That's right. Right. Like if, if Tannehill had, let's say, beaten Mariota out in August and was just the starter from day one, maybe this team isn't nine and seven. Maybe they're 12 and four and they get a two seed. And now all of a sudden we look at this miracle run very Changed. differently. Yeah. You know, can I add some perspective too? yeah, 
Um, Taylor Lewan was suspended for the first four weeks yep. for uh, steroids. Uh, their first round pick, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, did not play until like week eight or nine. Um, they AJ Brown really started hitting his stride. Uh, I just I think a lot of times that's why the quarterback wins thing is like of course it's a very murky of course, stat. Of course, but I feel like two I think and it's four. more detrimental to the Titans to look at the run and go it was all Tannehill when really it was like. Derrick Henry. Yeah. Like, I get it, PFF. I get it, Sam Monson. I get it, analytics, that too much can be made over running back numbers, and we see that there's two undrafted free agents. But if you're not looking at the Titans and seeing that every big Titans win came at the emotional back of Derrick Henry, even going back to week one against Cleveland when he had a 75-yard screen that he took to the house and it completely demoralized the team, that him stiff-arring Earl Thomas and spinning him around like a fucking car wash didn't completely set the tone for that game, or what he did to New England over and over and over again, I guess it. When we look at it, analytics, it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you that he was more important to that team than fucking Ryan Tannehill was. Oh, of course. Was. Yeah. What would you do? I need you to answer your own questions. I would franchise Tannehill. I would bring Just, him back for one more year and see what you Just get. See what you get. Because there's so many times in, in football and in other sports where you, p- teams make, make a trade 18 months before they have to or 12 months before they have to. Like, this was a very good team, a very successful, what are they, you know, they ended the year 7-3, and three, then won two more games in the playoffs. So that's like a nice 9-3 and three run to hang your hat on and say, why don't we run this back? Let's see if we can yeah. pick up another free agent or two. Maybe Humphreys will be healthy all of next year. I just think the, the savviest GM move in the last 15 years was when Tim Tebow won a playoff game and then Elway let him go the next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that we get very excited by postseason success, even when there's a lot of glaring warning signs. As Stephen Ruiz wrote an article for the For the Win weeks ago that I read about how Ryan Tannehill's numbers are the least sustainable. And the reason was is, of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, he was the least accurate on deep ball throws. And in terms of wide receivers catching balls, he had the number one percentage of wide receivers catching it. So even though he was the least accurate, his wide receivers made all the plays. And those are numbers that you look at and go, this is not sustainable. Why? But why isn't that sustainable, though? His wide receivers are going to get worse at catching a ball? No, it's just like, if you're going to continue to not be that accurate, like, your wide receivers are eventually going to start dropping some balls. But but why wouldn't wouldn't the other side be true that maybe he'll become more accurate with more time invested with the starting receivers? Why wouldn't that be true? And an entire offseason. Yeah, uh, offseason. So so my, my question, I guess, for you would be this, is do you see Ryan Tannehill being a successful quarterback for this franchise for five years? And if you feel that way, like, no, no, no. Totally I, okay. I, I think that he has become exactly what they needed. They they needed a guy that was going to be – I mean, I, I thought he was semi-accurate throughout the season. I thought he he did well. He didn't do a terrible job. He wasn't just losing games. They lost because Ryan right. Tannehill. They lost because of a lot of different other things. But I, I think that he proved that he was the type of quarterback that this team needed. And I'm not – I, I – I, I don't discount the fact that players can get better, that teams can understand schemes better. Right. You got a young wide receiver core that you can get better with that wide receiver right. core. I, I can't discount that. I just know that coming into next year, 
what they're going to have to find out is what's their second pitch. All teams are going to say, okay, well, we saw what Kansas City did. Right. We're going to stack the box and figure it out. And, and I'm not saying stacking the box is the answer because if that eighth man can't tackle you the same way that the Patriots and the, yeah. the Ravens did, it doesn't matter if you stack the box or not. But if that eighth man can make a tackle, then you can stop this offense. Now you have to figure out that second pitch. Is it Ryan Tannehill? And if Ryan Tannehill can, can complete 70% of his balls for 250 yards every game and you add a little bit of that running game, then to me, this is a winning result in Tennessee, and, and I wouldn't be so quick to poo-poo what they have going on. Yeah. Well, consider your take poo-pooed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. uh, next burning question. If the Titans are going to try to make another run at the AFC Championship game, does Mike Vrabel have a second penis that he's willing to cut oh. off? I'm just kidding. That's not the question. Oh, <laughs> um, okay, based on what we saw with Patrick Mahomes, it felt like he had a clean pocket. A surprisingly- How would you have answered that question? You know, I don't, I'm not sure if he does, but maybe, possibly, if he does. You go into coach speak. It's like, look, we have the penises that we have. You know, like we're, we have the number of penises in the locker room that we have. And that's what we're going to win. That's what we're going to win with. Um, with the clean pocket that we saw with Patrick Mahomes, can the 49ers front seven do to Mahomes what they did to Rodgers, just agitating him, keeping him off his line? I think that if there's... I think that's why the Niners are uniquely qualified to face this team because they can generate pressure with their front four and not have to blitz a lot. And I think the way that you attack the Chiefs offense is by disguise. It's, I mean, it's so hard because Mahomes has shown, even against the great Bill Belichick, where he's dropping Dante Hightower and getting picks, he can still come back and score 31 once him and Andy Reid figure out what you're doing. But that's why I'm excited about Spags. Because Spags has to go in there and drop linemen. Sp- or, excuse me. Uh, Saleh. Salah. The other way, Salah. Salah is going to have to show why everyone was fighting for him to be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. He can't just go out there and run that Seattle scheme that he brought over. It's going to have to be Wrinkle City. And you might have to drop Nick Bosa back. And you might have to figure out a way. But I think if the Niners can generate some pressure at their front four and mainly – in my opinion, keeping Mahomes in the pocket. I think Mahomes is the most dangerous quarterback when he starts running to the sideline. He's terrifying. Terrifying. Because he can jo- he can do a nice little jog for 11 yards, which now is stressing everybody out. He can hock at 65 if he really needs to, probably 81 if he really wants to. Um, but I think Mahomes, when he has to play in the pocket – is when he, what the fuck, is, why is he laughing? 81, I don't know. where did that come from? Just 81 yards? Well, that's like Sanu territory. Yeah, just 80. You're throwing Sanu I, level yards. I think Mahomes thinks he can throw like 85. Okay. I, I agree, but I'm just yeah. wondering, like in 80, Denver. how did you get to yeah. 81? <laughs> I, I just think that if we know that the key to beating Mahomes, according to like analytics and all that stuff, is to figure out a way to do it man-to-man. The problem is, is right now, it was man-to-man when you didn't have Mecole Hardman. Mm-hmm. And now it's Harmon, Watkins, Hill, and Kelsey. So if you're going to double up on Hill, no matter wherever he goes. And Williams out of the backfield is like and Will- terrifying. Right. Can you imagine if the team had Kareem Hunt? <sighs> like, holy shit. So I don't know if they're going to be able to, but I think the Niners are the one team that are in a position because they can put out Buckner, Armstead, and Bosa, that they can get more creative and still hopefully contain him in the pocket. I agree with everything you just said. It's it's the how many guys can you get into coverage and still pressure the quarterback? The same thing the Giants did in their two Super Bowl right. runs with with uh, against Brady. Can you find a way to affect the quarterback? 
And for him, and opposed to Brady, you have to not only affect him in the pocket, you got to, to Adam's point, you got to keep him from getting outside because he's better on the outside of the pocket than he is actually in the pocket. And so as you see it, the, the one thing, if I'm Rob, Robert Siler, I'm saying, listen, I I'm want to make sure that Andy Reid is able to be multiple, meaning can he change things on a run? I remember we played in the Super Bowl. We were expecting, I think I probably told you the story, we're, we're expecting the Patriots to come out in the 3-4. Right. And we're practicing against the 3-4 all week long. They come out in the 4-3, busted our bubble. We're like, what the hell is going on? We've never seen a defense yeah. like this before, right? They changed everything. To me, if I'm Robert Sala, I'm doing – Pretty much the same thing. I'm saying, I know we're going to, I'm not saying they're changing to a 3-4, but whatever we normally do, yes. we want to do something a little bit different to just make them think a little bit. And if you can take away possessions by saying, okay, that was a three and out because they threw a, a defense alignment back into yes. the middle coverage, so something crazy, whatever that is. So now you're saying, okay, we're going to run the football. We're going to try to limit them from 12 possessions down to eight because we're going to run the football more. We're going to have more time of possession. Out of those eight possessions, three of them, they're just going to be messed up because we did something different defensively. Right. So now they have five left, and let's just say they scored 35 points. Can we get to 36? That's the other question offensively. And yeah. So it's, it's, it's a hard matchup, but I, I think that's the way you have Both to be thinking. Both of these defensive coordinators are fucked. Yes. They're fucked because both of these teams use an incredible amount of pre-snap motion. And so if you're running zone or man, like these are the offenses that are going to go, we know exactly what you're doing right, right now. Part of what was incredible about Atlanta building up the 28 to three lead is that they went out there and ran a defense that they had not run ever against the Patriots. Mm -hmm. They were running the Seattle cover three press bail where the corners drop back and you got Cam Chancellor in there and Earl Thomas and you got the linebackers and they went out there in the first half and, and manned up and the Patriots were not ready for it. Bill Belichick went into halftime and said, we know exactly what we have to do right now. Yes. And then it's, can we sustain it? But I don't know because of how much these two offenses use movement. It's going to, you can hide things mm -hmm. because both of them are doing sweeps and the way they use use check with the Niners and the way he'll like run to the right and then like shift and like go to the left and block. Like it doesn't even fucking matter. Like I think this, this is destined to be a Super Bowl in the forties, which sign me up. Um, in 1940s? The scores yes. in the 40s. <laughs> I think we come out leather helmets. <laughs> sure. You know, the hard part Patrick when you, when you watch the, the Chiefs offense is that they can dominate in every part of the field. Yep. If they want to go deep, they have Hardman. They got Watkins. Yes. Of course, they have Tyreek Hill. And from time to time, they'll throw Kel Kelsey deep to throw you off. If they want to work the middle of the field, you still got Hill. You still yep. got Kelsey. And, and all these guys. And Williams, as you said, who's a phenomenal receiving Yeah, guy. and then the, the short part, you have underneath right. routes with all those guys. And he's you add bullet. Williams in there. And oh, so, in so all levels, all three different levels, all of those guys are interchangeable. So you're saying, we're going to run the same play, but instead of going deep with Hill, we're going to go deep with Kelsey. And then yeah. Instead of the middle of the field with Kelsey, we're going to have Hill there and, yeah. and vice versa. So now Andy Reid said, you know what, this is what we'll do. You know, instead of being, you know, 11 personnel, we'll go 12. And instead of 12 personnel, we'll have, you know, us trips to the right. And all these different things to get to the same place on the field with these dynamic players. And it makes defenses start to think, what the hell is this? Well, it's the same damn play, but it's just a bunch of different guys, different personnel get into that same place. And when those guys have the ability to catch the ball, 
They're burners. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. Those guys can make big plays. It was ironic that Watkins had the most yards. Because coming into the game, I'm like, Sammy Watkins, if 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 he's able to go off, then there's no chance. Yeah. There's no chance for the Titans to win. Because there you know that these other guys will continue to be successful. It's that's Shaq Shaq always calls them the others. Where you don't win a championship just right. because of Kobe and Shaq. About that bench. You need Derek Fisher and Robert Ory. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about the Chiefs. It's the other team is going to focus on Hill and Kelsey. It's about Watkins, Harmon, and Williams. Those like when the Patriots won and James White had 15 catches. Yes. Like you need the other guy. When the Eagles won, Corey Clement, 35-yard touchdown. Like you need the others to step up because these coaches are too good and they have too much time to repair that the main guys like when T.O. still goes for 131, that's just because T.O.'s a fucking – that shows you how fucking of a monster, a monster he is. Yes. Right. So you either – Julio Jones can still go off. But it was about, you know, the Travis – the other guy, Travis Benjamin. You mentioned something we were in makeup that I think was key. It, that will I'm be not key. wearing any makeup. Well, no, of course. You look great. Thanks. Great job, man. And, and I'm naturally look, this tan in January. <laughs> you look amazing with the new weight loss, too. Oh, thanks, yeah. bro. I can see that the chest is getting bigger. The shoulders look buff. You put your, yeah, put them back a little bit. That makes the chest. Yeah. Yeah. What else? What else? Well, <laughs> twenty thousand pushups in twenty twenty, baby. Six pack is looking tight. Look at good, bro. I haven't been texting you. I've been doing a lot of pushups. Nice. I've been this is my guy. Have you? How, how many a day? Oh no, it just depends on the work. I don't know. 40, 50, oh, yeah. Nothing crazy. Fifty is my limit. I'm like, ah, fifty. I'm good for the week, really. My my point is this: is that <laughs> here's, here's what I was trying to say before I forget, and I probably did forget already. But if if something you, I said, you, in yeah, makeup. you, you mentioned. Um, Witherspoon and yes. the Chiefs' ability to find him right. and to attack him, right? Because he was he was exposed two games ago. They they took him out of the starting lineup, and now he may play the slot it's a little like bit. The Packers have enough wide receivers. They didn't have enough. Like, we got they didn't have enough. The they couldn't figure out how yeah. to get the, get it to him. And so now, obviously, Mosley's on the outside. But if you can find a way to 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 zero in on Witherspoon, that's what I mean. You if might Nicole be able to Harman's attack. Getting a hold, guarded by Witherspoon, yeah. Uh, I have another headline I want to predict, but I won't. So this actually transitions very nicely into my next question. You see Debo Samuel yesterday. His over-under on yards for the game was 53. He had 46 with six minutes to go in the first quarter, and he ended with 46. He just never caught another pass. Oh, I know. That was one of the props I lost. Oh, was it? Okay, so there you go. It hurts. And I love player props for the Super Bowl. Agreed. So who do you have your eye on in the Super Bowl as someone that people Ooh. aren't thinking about? A running back, a tight end, a receiver? Who's going to get more yards than Vegas or the public thinks they will in the Super Bowl? So the first thing I'm doing is I'm crossing out Raheem Mostert. Because right. he's going to be inflated. Everybody's going to so jump So the first thing I'm doing is I'm looking at the other Niners running backs. Because as we've seen the last two weeks, you can still kind of run on the Chiefs if you're able to keep it going. Derrick Henry was able to have some success. I think he ended up like 69 yards. So the first thing I'm going to do is uh, I'm probably circling Matt Breida. Mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman's coming with a shoulder injury. Same guy. Raheem Mostert's getting all the attention. And as a huge Matt Breida fan, I think there's going to be value there. I think that the tight ends are going to be a little bit over-serviced uh, in terms of like the amount of prop bets, so I'd probably be thinking unders there. Um, and then in terms of wide receivers, I'm thinking Harbin and Watkins. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that I'm kind of circling. Now, on the other side— And they could break a long touchdown at any point, and there's your 65 yards right there. The, the Chiefs have allowed some deep shots. They allowed a deep shot to the Titans. Uh, they allowed a deep shot, a few deep shots to the Texans. Kenny Stills. Um, and I think uh, it, I would I would circle the longest catch by certain players. That's fun because I like to win my props 
in the first quarter. And then you just put your feet up. Right. So if I'm going an Emmanuel Sanders over 20-yard catch, that might be one that I go for because he hasn't touched the ball recently. Look what I'm looking at. That's exactly what yeah. I'm looking at right there. So um, but I, I one think target, zero catches yesterday. The the scary Sunday. thing is, is like I had Janu Smith over two and a half catches, and I hit it, didn't hit it to the fourth, but he hit the over yards in the first quarter. Yeah, that's nice. Well, I'm just telling you, my I bets were I yeah. lost George Kittle yeah. and I lost the Debo Samuel over, and that fucking sucked. But I hit everyone else. <laughs> but so what I'm saying is, is I I like circling the guys that did not have big championship games right. because I think we spend two weeks talking about it. And the coaches are going, where else can I go? And the Vegas line gets inflated. San Francisco, I know, is one of the best teams in the NFL at limiting quarterback rushing yards. Um, but I also think that Mahomes is going to have to run. So I'm looking at Mahomes rushing yards. Oh, okay. Um, I would also probably, I would imagine that the Jimmy G completion number is going to be very low. I would go over there. Like I, I am trying to go counter to what everyone's going to talk about all week. You know, like last year, can the Rams, can they keep it going? I went under on fucking everything because it, it just gets talked about too much and then the numbers get. So I'm trying to go counter everything. Well, I'm, I'm in your same thought. I'm thinking, well, they just ran the hell out of the ball. They only threw the ball, talking about the 49ers, eight times. So in this game, I'm thinking Steve Spagnola is saying, listen, we're going to do everything we can to sell out on the run. If Jimmy G beats us, then then so be it. So in my mind, I think Jimmy G has a good game. I think that he has high completion. So to me, I'm thinking Debo Samuel. I'm also, of course, Emmanuel Sanders, who really has been quiet. I just almost forgot that he was on the damn team for a long time. I'm thinking that way. Um, I'm also thinking about interceptions for the 49ers. I I think that in some way, when you have young quarterbacks, and we have both two young quarterbacks in the game, this game is different than any other game. And I know the, 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 the Chiefs have been the AFC Championship game two times in a row. But playing in the Super Bowl is a different thing. And, and the thought process about the game, the, pre, the pregame, the halftime, the two weeks in between, it, it's all different than anything that you have ever, ever experienced. And, and Jimmy so, has gone through it. Well, yeah, that's he right. Knows, He's got like two rings, two, baby. He yeah. has he has done it. So I, I'm starting to think that that may influence a little bit on the game. So in my mind, offensively, as much as I think the over is possible, I start to think the score is a little bit mm. muted, meaning they're they're a little bit lower because like a Patriots Giants Super Bowl, like seventeen fourteen. Yeah, it's a different game. It's what more is strategic. The, what is the total right now? It has to be like what forty seven, maybe. I'll look oh, it up. I would no, I would, higher. I would guess it's around fifty one. And I would, I would probably put it more at like 51. 51. 51. 50, 51. 50, uh, is it? I don't, so that's, that's a sick. good guess. Too, that's yeah. sick. It, now it's 54. People 54 are betting it up. 54 and a half. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking I would go the under. Only because I think the defense is going to have to show up. And, and it's weird. The Super Bowl is weird. The last couple of years, I'm trying to think. I'm thinking about the Eagles. And yep. I, I kind of think that it didn't get really hot toward the second half in – the, the Chiefs have started slow these last couple of games, and obviously they, they got things going. Right. They started rolling, but uh, to me, I'm, I'm going under. I'm also thinking about the other guys, Emmanuel, Samuel, uh, Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, of course. When I'm talking about the Chiefs, and I've been waiting for this guy, so I, I don't know that this ever happens. This is a wild card. But in my mind, somehow LaShawn McCoy plays a role in this game. And I don't even I mean, You just don't want to feel like you've been lied to. I, I know. <laughs> I, I want him to be do something. I love my boy. I just want him to be able to help. I also want him to get a Super Bowl. So, And if you're not betting that the Gatorade is fruit punch red, I mean, what's the point? What are we even doing here? Yeah, both red. teams are red. red. Of course. Of course. Uh, 
I'll, I'll take the uh, under on the Demi Lovato anthem singing. Oh, sure. That's always a controversial one because the flyover happens. And then what, you do you the, you, what do you mean? What do you mean under on that? What do you mean? They People, time it? Yeah, like a minute 51. You can do like under or over, oh, whatever it is. okay. So it'll be someone has will have recorded every time Demi Lovato has sung the national yeah. anthem at whatever basketball Is she game. a straight shooter? Like she's going to sing the song as it is supposed to be sung? Or is she going to Well, Whitney what Houston people are going to do is Some people milk sung, it, you know? Well, she sung the she's anthem at I think... Um, uh, Mayweather McGregor. One of the fights. Okay. So I would just go back tying that mm-hmm, because yeah. that was as big as the Super Bowl. And so if you fuck around there, you'll fuck around at the Super Bowl. Because <laughs> McGregor Mayweather felt like a Super Bowl. Yeah. Speaking of which, I don't know if you guys watch fights at all, but that was incredible. McGregor's demolition. Fury. It was the fact that like combat, hand to hand combat has existed. <laughs> Longer than anything, yes. For like millions of years, that thousands of years, Americans haven't lasted. Americans, humans. <laughs> but the fact that we had never seen somebody throw a shoulder into a face to broken to break a mm. nose before, that like it's never been used like that. And the fact that cowboy, like who has fought literally more than any other person in the history of UFC, was like I've never seen anything like that before. The fact that like he can still invent something a little bit new, sure. Sustained excellence. Sustained. What props did you like? Or are you going to talk about that? Damon Williams out out of the backfield catches. (laughs) I do love Damon Williams. I like that. Um, Just quickly on the UFC. You know, I sit near Omar uh, here, who's like the biggest UFC fan here uh, at at Bleacher Report. He is, every time I bring up anything about, uh, you know, some technique or some new thing that I saw, or like that guy did some weird kick, he will like talk to me like it's the crazy, oh my God, and then this new thing. So it's like, there, there's all new techniques happening. We're just, we don't follow the yeah, sport no, closely enough to know right. this stuff. But yeah, there's new things happening all the he time. He said, I changed levels and I got him. I saw, I felt him leaning on my shoulder and I jammed my shoulder into his nose. The thing that's so interesting to me is, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> fights are the only one where the press conferences are happening in the same room. And they're openly like talking about each other as though they're not there. Right. The greatest scene in every boxing movie, too, is when the two guys are sitting next to each other on the podium. But that's like the pre one. I'm talking about post, right? Like cowboy. Oh, right after that. Cowboy's yeah. face is busted up. He's wearing a cowboy hat to hide it. It's the most, it's the quickest loss he's ever suffered. And he has to watch the other guy go, I took it right to him and I broke his <laughs> fucking face. And now he's got fucking nothing. And like he has to sit there and then accent. go, I like, like that. That, was good work. that might have been your best accent. Really? That was Pretty great. Never even tried it before. Yeah, it was A plus. But the fact that then he has to go up afterwards and be like in front of the other guy, being like, "Hey, kick my ass!" Like, <laughs> you're tell you. <laughs> like, remember Cam Newton walked out of the podium right after he heard right. Denver Broncos it. guys yeah. like because we don't experience that anywhere else. Yeah, where the emotions are still on high, and you got Joe Rogan fucking in the middle, being like, "What are your thoughts on DMT?" <laughs> Shit. Um, just one prop for me, uh, having watched Brady go through a variety of Super Bowls, and things do get tight, you know, and it just the game is not what you it, what happened what you're expecting. The game's not what happened. What what do quarterbacks gravitate toward is their security blankets. Mm-hmm. Your Julian Edelman's, your Dion Branches. I don't know about yards, but I would go over receptions for Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Whatever whatever his number of as reception someone, is. As someone that looks at those a lot, the the annoying thing seven. for these teams is that I think Kittle and Kelsey were both at like six and a half. Okay, so now you're at like. So that's a big number. I would have put it at like eight or nine, honestly. Like if what I, they if, both hit the under last game. But you love when they hit the under last game. Yeah, and that's the, true. The, the number comes down. What if it's five and a half? Would you put a little juice Ooh, in the now, over? Now we're gonna look. So okay, so we're close. We're, and then, we're close and then to that's the key thing to all of my fellow degenerates: pay attention to prop juice because it gets crazy. Like 
you can get Kittle over five and a half minus one forty, and you're like. There's just so much juice there that I can't even bet this. Do people know what minus 140 means? That just means you have to bet 140 in order to win $100, but you might get that same bet at a casino down the block that's minus 125, so you only have to put $125 down to win the same amount. It completely impacts which props I pick because so many people were betting Kittle and Kelsey over the weekend that the, the Vegas just jacked up the juice everywhere I was betting, and that's why I bet Mostert, like that kind of stuff. What about Tyron Matthew... Over three Tackles. and a half interceptions. Oh. <laughs> is that is that would that be a problem? I am ex- very excited for our Friday record podcast with Westbrook, with him just looking at a betting sheet and being yes. like, "Ooh, I got one." Mahomes <laughs> attempts between ten and twenty yards. I'm going to parlay that with heads on the coin toss. Yes. Yeah, it's great. Uh, final question. Yep. This is a simple, fun one. Who ends up with more rings when it's all said and done, Patrick Mahomes or Kyle Shanahan? So you've got one of the best quarterbacks that you think is maybe the most talented quarterback in the game for the next Ever. 10, 15, 20 years versus Kyle Shannon, who's going to coach for probably 30, 40 years, but we have no idea who his quarterbacks are going to be. And it's really freaking hard to win a Super Bowl as a head coach, as we know. Oh, that's a good question, because as a head coach, even though you may have the, guess, the best game plan, at some point, injuries happen. Yep. And sometimes if this defense was not what they are, maybe they're not, they're not as good. Oh, man. So let's say Mahomes in his career ends up winning three. Okay. Is that, is that a lot? That seems like No, I just, I just like that we're just giving him three. Well, yeah, that's, that's a gift. Can, can Kyle Shanahan win three? So here's how I look at it. Mahomes has the advantage right now mm-hmm. because he has Andy Reid. So coaching is taken care of and quarterbacks taken care of. Kyle, there are still questions about Jimmy, but we know his level. The issue becomes to longevity. He could coach at least 70. Kyle or can coach for 30 years. Yes. Mahomes has about 10 years. Mahomes hasn't got paid yet either, right? No, so we still got about two years. So Mahomes, but again, there's a, I will say. Kyle has a better odds. I mean, that's, that's true. Yes. But it's just a, how much do you believe but if, in? If you believe Mahomes is the best player in the league and the best player usually wins. Could have won one last year. Could have won one this. This, might is win truly also look a, at, this is truly a problem that will not pay out for 30 years. You look, yeah. like, you look at Aaron Rodgers, too. He's been the best quarterback in the league for a long time. He wasn't paired with one of the best coaches. So what happens, though, if, you know, let's say Kyle wins this one. Or let's say Mahomes wins this mm-hmm. one. Let's say he wins another one in the next five years, mm-hmm. too. And then Andy starts calling it quits. Yeah. And then Mahomes starts to decline a little bit. Because mm-hmm. after about 10 years, when he's, like, in his 30s, he'll start to decline. It happens. Kyle... What happens in, in 10 years if Kyle gets him a home? Will he still be innovative in 10 years? Will people have caught yeah. up to him? No, I'm, I I would go with Kyle. Okay. But if you said the next 10 years, I'd take Mahomes. Yes, for sure. I would take Mahomes now, Kyle Long. That's what made it, I thought, in Momorant. Yeah, ah, that's year. a good question. You kind of want to see what happens in the game before I make my decision. But if I had no, to choose, <laughs> that, is that part of the is that part of <laughs> Giving one of them a one-ring head start <laughs> definitely changes the calculus. Of yeah, the because, because you know what's really funny? We could look back at this in 30 years and go, wow, that was the only ring either of them ever got. It's right. right. That that happens all the time with this all stuff. All the time. We should do a pod in 30 years just to see where we're at. Deal. Like, oh. Oh, you're locked in. What are you doing? You're free. Hold on. 30? I'll put it on the calendar. Okay. What are you here doing right now? I'm 70. What are you doing? 2050. <laughs> 2050. Yeah. February 1st. We're going to all get ah, together. I'm a little you're, bit busy on Tuesday. Nah, you damn it. We have to do it with Brian. Summer? That's when I have oatmeal. Bri, Bri? Yes. We have to, well, our kids would do the pod. That's wow. what we should. This is oh, what my yeah. dad would have said. Baby Lucy will I be like producing. There. I like that. Who's going to have more kids in 30 years? Me or Brian Westbrook? He already has three. 
You're right. He's got three kid heads. I have on nothing. You. I want to tell you right now. So the now, question is, will I get that fourth kid? <laughs> if Brian Westbrook has another kid, Brian Westbrook will be working until he's 70. Absolutely. Yes. So that's a whole different. <laughs> Brian Westbrook's not having any more kids. You hear that, honey? No more kids. Does she want more? No. Oh, she doesn't want to. Do I asked that? her the other day, like, hey, do you want another kid? And she was like, well, no, not really. And she, she went out of her way to say this. This kind of person, but it's true. Yeah. She yeah. said, listen, all of my kids have been conceived on vacation. My daughter, Brielle Callie Westbrook, she was conceived in California. Oh. My son was conceived in Mexico. Oh. And so she said to me the other day, Moscow. listen, we're going. <laughs> this is Brian Moscow. <laughs> she said, listen, we're going to Miami for a little vacation. Keep your hands off me. Just keep oh. your hands to yourself. So yeah, but just saying. I think they say that. I know. That's my point. She said that so that I keep my hands on her. My fiance jokes that she wants to have seven. Oh, but I don't know if she's joking. So this was my college oh, roommate. My he got married. They had a kid, and she said imagine. they wanted to have five. <laughs> and then within three weeks of having one kid, they were like, maybe down to two. Yes. Like, they went from five to two Changes very quickly, quickly, like a month into yes, having yes, a first yes, kid. Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know. Seven left go. That's a fucking lot. Seven. In order to have seven, you have to have twins at least a couple of times. You can't. Seven, seven is hard. That's an bro. entire D-line. That's, that, that's 10 years <laughs> worth of child raising, having. That's a lot. I mean, believe me. I'm, Good luck, bro. I'm I, not the one out. You should have seven, and you'll be working until you're 90. That's what's going to be happening. That's why Philip Rivers is never going to retire. How Because <laughs> he can't. They've got gobs of money, please. Do you want to go made. home? No, it's not about the money. Do you want to go home with all those kids? Oh, that's the Brett Favre argument, right? That, like, every summer he'd be like, this is the year I retire. And then he yeah. spends a week at home, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to play for the Jets one more time. <laughs> hey, I know how it is with all three of my kids and my wife leaves. And I'm trying to tell you, my daughter, she's six. Perfect. Little Brian. Baby Brian, problem. And the little one, the little one is my little little sweetheart. She's walking and talking, and so she's getting a little more like her mom. Do you like write to your son? Go, you're you're a bad kid, and he's like, yeah. No, I don't. I'd be like Brian. You need to act right. He'd be like, okay, and then he just this. I love the kid. I absolutely love him. He's too cute. And my mother said you were exactly. That's why you gotta have ugly kids. A lot easier to discipline. It's easy to discipline. <laughs> Difficult to this execute. Kid, this kid. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, <laughs> how we got there. Okay, that was fun. All right, so we're going to predict uh, Super Bowl storylines. We'll do like a like a full kind of game preview because that will come out next Monday. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you guys again. 1111 Lincoln Road in Miami Beach. Wednesday. Get there around 2.30 if you want to see Football Feud. We are going to have six NFL stars and me as a game show host. I recommend it. Friday, the one and only Brian Westbrook. Again, get there at 2.30. Lincoln Road, Miami Beach. First come, first serve. And if you don't show up, that's fine. And by the way, there's lots, top too. there's lots of you other are? stuff. You are. Oh, we're yeah. we're going to wear guns out, suns out, guns out. That's what we're going to do. We're I all going to wear tank tops. professional. <laughs> tank tops, bro. Come on. We're in Miami. He's you've, been, you've been working out for a reason. What are you talking about? And I'm not talking about the regular, the regular tank tops. I'm talking about the skin, the yeah, spaghetti, the, 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 the long skinny if ones. If I'm wearing a tank top, I'm wearing the 50 cent G unit ones yes. from back in the day. Oh, the big ones, the big ones. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, I'm not no. Come on, bro, we got to do it. You've been working hard, too hard you not to wear a tank top. Your dinner plate nipples. For <laughs> <laughs> Ingber, whether you drive too fast or drive too slow, the scariest driver is an unpredictable driver. Ooh, for so Brian true. Westbrook, the Rocket Man. I wish I had. 
got something classy to say like you do. <laughs> you do. It's called the Rocket Man. David is my man. I'm out on you. But David's my man. I'm the LEFKOE man, and currently the third wheel on my own podcast. <laughs> Love you guys. See, See you in soon. Miami. 